Our scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel account of St. Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 24 and reading through verse 39. Hear the word of the Lord. A disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, I'm going to keep trying to turn around and talk to the choir, but the choir is not here. So let me just go ahead and acknowledge that. Let me acknowledge also the fact that my wife is not sitting in the choir to give me dirty looks when I turn around uh, and look. So I'm kind of off the chain for a little bit. The bad news is, is that my mother is here. I didn't know she was coming this morning. I'm glad she is here, but my situation has not improved uh, because I, I can tell when she's giving me a dirty look, I sense it in the force. So what do y'all think about this passage this morning? Did you really want to say, this is the word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God against that one? I mean, stop and think about it for a second. I have come to set parents against their children. Parents, how does that strike you? I have come to set children against their parents. How does that strike you? I have come to cause strife within in-laws. Now that one's not a shock. I mean, that one's a, yeah, that one, that got it. But how does that strike you? I have not come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. I mean, in six more months, we're going to be singing, you know, away in a manger and Oh, come all ye faithful and hark the herald angels sing and let there be peace on earth. And we've got this passage from St. Matthew that records Jesus as saying, I haven't come to do that. I've come to stir it all up. I've come to call out people. That's not exactly what we normally see. This passage has to be read in the context of the rest of Scripture. It has to be, because if you just pull these verses out, a lot of damage can be done. And that's part of the problem with the way sometimes uh, books, lectionaries, commentaries, Sunday school material, Bible studies, they'll pull a passage out 
And we have to remember something that's kind of obvious. I know you've heard it before, but we also have to remember. When the scriptures were originally penned, they did not come with chapter and verses. They were written all together. And so St. Matthew didn't decide that this was going to be verse 24, and this was going to be verse 39, and this was going to be verse 16. He just recorded Jesus' sermon or his lesson, or in this case, a conversation. And we've interrupted it. Now, this isn't going to make this all nice and happy, but it, I think it is going to make, it, make a little more sense. You have to go back to what we have as Matthew chapter 9 and begin in verse 35. And you'll see that Jesus has been going all around the cities and the villages and he's been teaching and he's been preaching good news of the kingdom of God, the, the, what we know is the gospel message. He's been healing folks. He's been casting out demons. And everything's going pretty well. And the disciples come to him and they're talking about all this stuff and they're witnessing all this stuff. And he looks at the disciples and he looks at the others and he goes, look, guys, I don't know why you're so amazed at this because the harvest is plentiful. You can't swing a stick in any place that we have been and not hit someone who is hungry for the gospel, for the good news, for the message of the kingdom. But the problem is that the laborers are for you. So I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest, God the Father, that's stirring in the hearts of all of these people that there will be people who God will rise up, that the folks who have received will become the folks who give, and that the harvest will be brought in. And then he calls the 12 out of the rest of the crowd, out of the other ones that are following, and he has a hard conversation with them. He says, okay, now, here's the deal. Y'all, I didn't just call you to come and have a good time. I didn't just call you to come and be in fellowship with me. I didn't just call you so that I could be your personal Lord and Savior. Have you ever heard that? He's my personal Lord and Savior. No, he's not. He's the Savior of the whole cosmos. You have a personal relationship with him, but he is not your personal Savior. He's the, the world's. The wonderful thing about this is that Christ gives himself to the world. And one of the struggles that we have as a follower of Jesus Christ is, in the, oh, I just lost the fellow's name. It's some old dead theologian. Uh, you, you, you can Google the quote. I can't remember which one. I think it was Karl Barth that said it. But the quote goes, if we fully believe that God has made us in God's own divine image, then we have to admit that we have tried to return the favor. Because when we think of God, Christ, the Holy Spirit as ours personally, then have you ever noticed that God tends to always agree with us on our opinions? That we just assume that the way we think is the way God thinks? That by golly, we're right. And everybody else is wrong. And God is always on our side, whatever side that is, on whatever topic. I'm not even meaning anything real controversial. Probably the most controversial thing we could say right now is that if we are an Alabama fan, we believe God cheers for Alabama. And if we're an Auburn fan, we believe God cheers for Auburn. Now, I am not touching that. I will just say God did make the sky blue and the sun orange. I'm just, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just going to leave that there. 
But seriously, that's how we normally think of this. And what Jesus is doing with the disciples is he's pulling them out and he goes, look, guys, I didn't just call you so that we could have a good time. I called you because you have a purpose and a mission and a God-breathed calling. And I'm sending you out. And I'm giving you authority. I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons. I'm going to give you authority to heal the sick. I want you to go into the villages just like I've been doing. I've been setting for you an example. This has been seminary. I've been training you up. Now you go and do what you've seen me do. And here is the deal. I don't want you packing a big old suitcase. I don't want you rolling into town with a U-Haul and all of your boxes full of books. I don't even want you to take a staff in your hand. Just the shoes on your feet and the clothes on your back. And you go and you trust that what you need is going to be provided for by the Lord. And oh, by the way, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Because I've, I've been around and I know my people and I've heard them and I'm hearing their cries and my heart bleeds for them because they're like sheep without a shepherd and they're scattered and they're afraid and they're tossed about and they're worried about all these many things and they've got all these thoughts running through their heads and they're trying to figure everything out and they forget that I am the Lord of all the universe, that I am not just their personal Savior, I am over all and I want you to go and call them back. And oh, by the way, as you do that, it's going to make some folks upset. But what are you expecting? Enter the passage that we have shared this morning. Because when you go and you proclaim good news to folks who love being miserable, they're not going to hear it as good news. When you proclaim the truth to individuals who have swallowed a lie, they are never going to believe that it's the truth. We will constantly try to make God into our own image. We will constantly try to make God agree with what we agree with. And we will constantly look for things that confirm our own opinions. Have you ever noticed that? Do you know that there are actually folks who still believe that the world is flat? If you are one of those people, I do not mean to be disrespectful, but I would point you to the Flat Earth Society's website who says... That, the four, that they have members spread all around the world. <laughs> Think on it for a second. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You can show them a picture, a literal picture from the Hubble Space Telescope that shows us as a big blue dot or green, depending on what's going on in the ocean, right? Blue or green, greenish blue. Nope, it's faked. Absolutely. We flew up into outer space, took a picture of the flat earth, and wrapped it around an orange just for you. That's what Christ is talking about. Did you notice that it says that as he was preaching, that he was preaching in the synagogues? This wasn't just the folks outside, all the folks that didn't believe that were going to be giving them a hard time, that does give him a hard time, that ends up crying for his crucifixion. It was folks that were on the inside. It was the good religious people. 
And he warns the disciples, as you proclaim the good news, understand that by its very nature, this is going to cause division sometimes. I remember very vividly Melissa and I dating. And I'm actually not making a joke on this one. We've been dating for a while, starting to realize that we were pretty good together and this might go somewhere. And so at that point in time, the church had really made me upset. I mean, now part of this was I was 18 and I thought I knew everything. No offense, man, but I'd read the discipline. I didn't understand why we weren't living into, you know, the doctrine that we had. And I'm talking about actual doctrine. Don't read into this, into anything that's, that's really funky going on right now. I'm talking about basic doctrine, you know. I'm talking about like I was reading in the book of Discipline and it was saying that we believe that women were called to preach and yet my entire life I had never heard a woman preach. And I couldn't figure that one out. I couldn't figure out why all of our ushers were men. Couldn't figure that one out. I couldn't figure out why it said that, that you could send the youth delegate to annual conference, yet we had never sent a youth delegate to annual conference. Never. And this was one time where there was a youth delegate that wanted to go. Because I found out I could have a voice and a vote, and I wanted to go to one of them microphones. Because I had an idea for Bishop Tannen. <laughs> and I got really upset because of the way I saw people in my congregation that I, was, that I was in, in my home church, treat other people in the congregation. I mean, that was the biggest one. Because I read in scripture and I read in the discipline that according to our doctrine, we believe that God's grace and God's love is poured out on all people. And yet there were folks that because of either their education level or the way they dressed, or maybe they weren't as polished as someone else. Maybe they didn't end their sentences in the correct tense. Maybe they were, their subjects and their verbs didn't agree. And they were made fun of and, and, and they were pushed aside. And I got really angry with that. And I also got really angry at having to get up on Sunday mornings and give up a Sunday and go to church and sit through this and listen to some guy with a balding head, usually wearing a robe. I know God has a wicked sense of humor sometimes because I have the same haircut as most of the pastors that, that I grew up with. Tell me all about God's grace and all about God's love and all about the scriptures and all about God's holy word and what we're called to do. And then as we lived it out, I saw absolutely no difference. It was like a holy pep rally, but the team always lost. And so I got fed up. And when I turned 18 and I graduated from high school and I moved to Jacksonville, I said, peace out to the church. Love Jesus, love God, never question that. I just said, I have no use for the church. Then fast forward a couple of years, met Melissa. Melissa, born and raised in church in Clay County, Alabama, in Ashland. If, if we are in the Bible Belt, Clay County is the belt buckle. <laughs> Everything going good till she looks at me one day. She says, we really need to have a talk. I'm going through my mind going, what in the world have I done? Because, you know, hey, I'm sure I've done something. And she looked at me and she said, I really like you. In fact, I think I love you and I could see myself being married to you, but I am not going to be married to someone who does not attend worship and practice their faith. Now that was a hit because I didn't want to go to church. 
But I thought about it. I asked her if going to church with her counted as a date. She said it did. I was like, that's awesome. I'll put a dollar in the collection plate. This is the cheapest date we'll ever go on. I'll sit there for an hour and a half. We can hold hands. Life is good. Yes, I said an hour and a half. And then lo and behold, I started to see a different side. And I started to understand. And I started to see people who actually loved one another and cared about one another. And the Holy Spirit worked and moved and changed. And before I knew it, the Holy Spirit was at work on me. Now, I had been confirmed. I've been baptized. I've been the whole bit, right? But the Holy Spirit worked on me. And then the next thing I know, I'm getting called. And I'm getting sent. And Melissa has said two things to me about this holy calling and me dragging her all over the state of Alabama. She has said at first, of course I knew you were called. I just was beginning to wonder how long it took you to realize this. Actually, what she said was, I was beginning to wonder how dumb you are because I've been knowing that you've been called for the past several years and you just weren't getting it. The next thing she said was a few years later where she had gotten frustrated with some things going on in the congregation. And I lovingly reminded her that it was her fault that I was in this because I was very happy outside the church. She's the one that brought me back. And she looked at me and said, I told you you needed to be in church. I didn't say you needed to pastor the thing. I said, well, that's the problem. That's the problem when you really start digging into this question. When you really start hearing what Jesus is telling the disciples and what Jesus is still speaking to us in this whole thing. Hey, when you sign up, there's no levels of commitment. You sign up and God gets in and God monkeys with you and God changes you and God sends you. And no, calling doesn't just simply mean to be a, a pastor or a clergy or have some type of church credentialing. God calls lawyers and God calls doctors and God calls teachers and God calls administrators and God calls electricians and God calls construction workers and God calls homemakers and, and moms and dads and the whole bit. Think of everything that you do. If you are a part of the body of Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, then you are called. And your life becomes a living testimony. Now the question I've got for you, what if we're wrong? is not what you're thinking about. I'm not asking you what if we're wrong in our convictions or in your opinions or in my opinions. I'm asking what if we're wrong in the way we're living out the faith we profess? What if we're showing up to church on Sunday mornings and we're singing all the right songs and we're saying all the right creeds and we're studying all the right passages of Scripture. And we've got all the right interpretations. And we've got all the right understandings. And it stops as soon as we get to the parking lot. and has absolutely no bearing on the way we live this afternoon. Or tomorrow. Or Wednesday. Or Saturday. What if where we are changes us? Have you ever noticed anyone or have you ever known anyone that was really calm and really great and really sweet till they got on like a baseball field or a softball field or, or there was a football game? I did not mean to just call people out, but there are spouses looking at their spouses in this moment. <laughs> I promise I did not mean to do that. That was pretty good because it wasn't just one or two. Half of y'all just went... 
or what about when your child absolutely makes a mess on themselves and at the house five minutes before you got someone coming over before you need to leave? <laughs> the tables have turned. What happens when one thing after another after another piles up on us and then we have this great opportunity to show grace but we're so frustrated the opposite comes out. Guys, this is something every single one of us deals with. And none of us are going to be right all the time. That's the reason why there's grace. And there's the reason why there's a prayer of confession. And there's a reason why we trust in our forgiving God. But it also begs the question, how many of us actually live into what we have professed to believe? Because just like Jesus Christ is not your personal Lord and Savior, you have a personal relationship with the God of the universe, right? That's so much bigger, right? It's crazy. I can't get the governor on the phone to save my life, but I can talk to God just by saying, hey, God, ain't that crazy? Just like that's so much bigger than what we normally think of, so is being the church. Because this place, this is not the church. This is the facility where the church meets. This is the place that has been set apart and consecrated for the worship of God. But you and I are the body of Christ. In fact, scripture says it's even more than that. You and I are the bride of Christ. Christ isn't marrying these cinder blocks. This facility isn't the kingdom of heaven. You and I are. And the way we live outside of this place, that's the true witness. So what if we're wrong? What if we're wrong, not in our theology or our doctrine or our practice, what if we're wrong in the way we're living? Then what, how does any of this matter? Because the reality is, is God is sending every single one of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our profession, regardless of our background. God is sending every single one of us every single day to, to, to be like lambs among wolves, to, to go and try to help other sheep get, get their head figured out to understand exactly what's happening. And he says, it's not always gonna be easy. It's not always gonna be fun. In fact, sometimes it's gonna be downright painful. But Christ picked up the cross and so too are we called. There's one other part, there's one other part that gets, gets left out when you just go by the lectionary text. And it begins in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, where Jesus says, oh yeah, and by the way, I want you to remember that whoever welcomes you, they welcome me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Oh wow, we're opening doors for God. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. 
Actually, there's another translation for that, and it could be, and whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones as a disciple, as a follower, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. So guys, Jesus isn't calling us just to simply go out and do all the big stuff. He does all the heavy lifting. Even a cup of cold water, a kind word, an example that you think no one else notices that some snotty-nosed 18-year-old who thinks they have it all figured out pays attention to because they're watching you. Or a 19 and a half, 20-year-old who's begrudgingly sitting on the church pew because their girlfriend's making them come. And some 90-year-old says something to him that she didn't even remember, or I'm sure wouldn't even remembered, that absolutely turned him on his head. None of that goes unnoticed. Understand, the world watches and we're sent. And it's not always going to be pretty, but it will always be blessed. So get up and get out. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.